Welcome to the X-Block. Am I right, Marie? Sir, yes, sir! Then listen up. You're listening to the X-Block. I'm Jared, and he's Caleb. Let's get into it. You are listening to the X-Block Podcast, episode 20. I'm Jaren, and I'm here with Caleb. Heyo. And this is the world's number one Xbox podcast. Probably. And with much more energy this week from you, Jaren, I'm like, God damn. There you go. just came in here like a fucking wrecking ball. I literally don't know. (laughs) I was sitting here waiting for Jaren to come back. We were just sitting here. And then I just hear, you are listening. I'm like, Jesus Christ, scared the (laughs) shit out of me. And we just jumped right into it. I stubbed my toe walking in too. Dude, you sound like you smoked fucking so much THC last week. You were just like Do down. I? You're like, I'm out. No, last week. Remember when you had the vaccine? And so you sounded oh, yeah. like you were Oh, yeah. That was two weeks ago, wasn't it? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> Time doesn't matter, Jared. I don't know if it was a week ago. No idea. Could have been yesterday. I don't know. Anyway. What have you been playing, Caleb? Oh, man. What have I been really jumping into it, man? Oh, what have I been playing? Uh, I'll give you three guesses. Go ahead, Jared. Chinese Master Chief Collection. You nailed it. First try. That's what I've been playing <laughs> for a whole week. So I'm a, I'm a huge dork. Did you know that, Jared? Uh, no, I wasn't aware. Okay, so I'm a huge dork, right? So I've been re-watching uh, Naruto Shippuden. Mm. Uh, totally, totally legally, by the way, mm. question mark. Um, I've been watching Naruto Shippuden, and it's like super long, by the way, in case you didn't know. Naruto, prominent, popular anime, like 200 episodes, 220. Okay, the last half of that's filler, which means it doesn't matter. Naruto Shippuden, 500 episodes, and just like half of the show interspersed throughout is just filler. But anyway, I've been watching that show while I've been casually just playing the Master Chief Collection, the Chinese Master Chief Collection. And uh, so there are like playlist achievements that I hadn't gotten where it's like beat three Halo 3 playlists and three Halo 1 playlists and beat three cross game playlists and different achievements like that, right? And so I've just been getting some of those achievements. And I'm now at the point where I'm done playing the Halo Master Chief Collection, the Chinese version for now for achievement. So I still have some left. I'm at 404 out of 479 achievements. And all that's remaining is a bunch of some immediate, like middle, middle stuff that I would need to watch a couple videos for to make sure I do right. And then a bunch of hard stuff and a bunch of multiplayer stuff. Like beat a campaign on Legendary in under three hours. Where I'm like, I don't want to work on that right now. Or like do this multiplayer shit. And it's like, I don't want to hit up people on true achievements right now. So I'm going to finish that at a later time. I don't even know if I'll play. I'm, dude, I've played so much Halo. You don't understand. I've played so much Halo in the past like few weeks. I don't know if I'm going to play the Master Chief Collection again. Or like Halo 1 through 4 before halo infinite comes out this year i may just i may just be done for now but uh, i i am more caught up jaren than i guarantee you 99.99 percent of the population is going into halo infinite far more caught up than me yeah that's for sure <laughs> i've played for people like oh, are you getting ready for halo infinite i'm replaying halo again it's like not that it matters because it's not really a brag because it means i'm a loser but i've played halos <laughs> one through four probably like 12 times each this year all right like i'm really ready for it (laughs) so yeah i'll be ready for halo infinite and uh that's all i've been playing really i've been playing some rainbow six siege with the boys a bit but uh i i still i have control to go back to but since i've been watching that show while i've been doing something that i'm already like really good at and don't have to pay attention to uh, i've just been playing halo so now i'm about ready to go back to control and i'm almost done with rewatching Naruto shippuden so that'll all work out for me and uh that's it that's all i've been playing oh yeah and Every now and then, you know Yu-Gi-Oh! Legacy of the Duelist, right? Mm. Yeah, I play just for fun. I have that installed, and I already have all the achievements in that game and the original Yu-Gi-Oh! Legacy of the Duelist. That's not the linked evolution version. Uh, I already have all the achievements, but I just play like a duel for fun every now and then. And so I guess I've been playing that too, technically. There um, you go. What about you, Jam? What's going on? I don't, that's, that's really same games I've been playing, kind of. I actually finished games this week. What? I, yep. I, I saw you were playing something, if you recall. <laughs> I uh, I finished <laughs> Mafia Definitive Edition. Okay, you finished Mafia. Did you like it? Oh, Did yeah. you ever play the first one? I really enjoyed it. Never, never had played the first one before. I like the mission by mission setup that we talked about, I think, a couple podcasts ago. Yeah, we talked about it a few ago. I remember. But yeah, that game, super fun. Liked the story. Liked how it ended. Concise Good. to the point. Great game. All right. Hi, highly recommend from Jaren. Would you recommend paying money for it? I wouldn't recommend paying money for anything if you don't have to, but... It's a fair statement, Jaren. <laughs> what about... Besides Mafia, you finished that, you liked it. What else? What you got? Oh, I uh, started Plague Tale Innocence yesterday. Oh, hell yeah. All right. I'm on chapter four. Is that a game four. pass? Yeah, it is. And with okay, the cool. uh, enhancements. Oh, nice. That's even better. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on chapter four of that. Just kind of had my first interaction with the rats. Ugh. Yeah, you like the uh, atmosphere of that game? The oh, yeah. Kinda? So far, it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. It's a bit long, I think. You'll probably think the same when you're done, where you're like, why wasn't this like two hours shorter? But 
Yeah, I played that game, not with the enhancements, so I bet it's way better. Yeah, and I'm liking we'll it so far. that in a bit. I actually have something to mention about that game later on in the news, but okay. we'll get there. So, anything else? I You saw me uh, playing Days Gone, which was wild that it showed up on <laughs> my crazy. Xbox profile as a game that uh, isn't necessarily from any of the actual uh, gaming storefronts, that it shows up on my Xbox profile is strange. Yeah, I saw, I have a screenshot. I mean, it won't be here. Obviously, you won't see it, but I texted Jaren, like I texted him something. And then he responded, and I said, like, while I have you here, what's this about? And it was a picture <laughs> of his Xbox profile, like, on the Xbox app, and it said his gamer tag. And then it said, last seen six hours ago, days gone. And I was like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? I had an idea of what that meant, because it, like, tracks your activity on, I think, the Windows, kind of, like, even on PC and shit. And I was just like, how... That's crazy that I can see that you were playing days gone. Yeah, so like, if I watch Xbox porn, profile. does it tell you? <laughs> last scene fucking porn up eight hours ago <laughs> i don't know it told me about days gone though which is not an xbox game yeah but i i haven't really played that i just loaded it up to see if it worked okay and did it yeah got to the start screen i was it was i was surprised because i didn't have to it didn't seem to install like i just moved it off of my uh my hard drive onto my computer and it's like it was already the full game on the hard drive because i just opened it up and was able to play it I was like waiting for an installer, but it just worked. Uh -huh. So I was like, that's weird. That's kind of cool, though. So this <laughs> dude, this PC you got this new PC. It's like really going well for you, huh? Because like you don't even really play your console at this point much anymore. You're on PC playing all these games you haven't played before, except, you know, Playtale, but all these other games. I'm still coming back. Like, I think my next three games will be on Xbox unless I decide to play Days Gone next. But I'm feeling Plague Tale Innocence right now. And then I'm feeling Gears Tactics. So those yeah, will probably oh, be my finally. next two. Okay. I'm gonna say Jaren's a little PC boy now. He abandoned us over here on the on the X block. <laughs> yeah. I also in a kind of a real life game yesterday. I won the uh, I won the Great Spider War of uh, 2021, Caleb. Oh, I'm gonna ask you about something else, but because I thought you were gonna say something different. But go ahead, and tell me about the Spider War. What happened? So I was sitting in my room watch yeah. watching TV with uh with Nelly, and yeah. this little spider is hanging down from the bike in my room. You remember where nice. the bike is? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, she's like, oh, it's a baby spider. And I'm like, yeah, OK, it's dead because it's in my house. So I, <laughs> so I kill it. And uh, then I was like, yo, there's more where baby spiders come from. And I That's looked up at the ceiling brain, and yeah. there were so many baby spiders. Oh, no, the worst, dude. The spiders are coming in at you, man. I killed 65 baby spiders. Oh, they had an egg yesterday or oh. and today. But they're That's gone horrifying. now. I killed them all. Dude, they're all gone. You killed all the spiders. Dude? I don't I don't know if they're, they're all the gone, worst. but every single one that I could see died. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Spiders like you have wasps, right? <laughs> and those things are assholes. Like they don't do anything. People are like, oh, they're pollinators. It's like, fuck you. Bees are pollinators. Shut up. Wasps suck. But like spiders, they have somewhat of a function because if you like have ants around and everything, you go look in different corners of your house whenever you're like, OK, so like the spiders are out here like killing the ants, right? And the small bugs and flies like they actually do something, even though I hate them. So I give them like some credit, but it's still like, dude, you got to die, man. Like I'm going to like it's over for you. You know, if I see you, like yeah. you got to be out of sight, out of mind. If I spot you, it's like you're done. You know, <laughs> that's fair enough. And I guess we should move on to outside. No, the box. no, 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 we're not. We're not. We're Time not. Out. OK, what about ultimate Frisbee? You said you were playing that shit, right? Oh, yeah, dude, I did play that. There's a game. It was an adventure as someone who'd never played ultimate Frisbee before. Yeah. Our team, not that great at ultimate Frisbee. The other team that we're playing uh, way too good at Ultimate Frisbee to be playing in the lowest level league. Like, just a oh, bunch okay. of losers yeah. trying to, like, get Fucking wins. Dorks. Yeah, imagine being outside, like, moving your body. Dude, you said you were playing <laughs> Ultimate Frisbee. I was thinking about your fucking, I don't know, lumbering form. Uh, like, just go flying through the air and doing all those movements that are required for Ultimate Frisbee. And I was, like, terrified for you. I was like, dude, Darren, don't break a hip out there, man. Come we on. lost 15 to 8. Ugh. <sighs> Well, you scored eight, though. I got five of the scores myself and got Big two board, assists yeah. on the other one. So the guy who's never played Ultimate Frisbee was involved in seven of the eight points. Dude, get hype for Ultimate Frisbee, dude. You you boys <laughs> listen are out there playing your fucking video games like a bunch of losers. Dude, Jaren's out there being playing, playing Ultimate, you know? So, yeah, that was an adventure. Big week for games, Jaren, for you and me. I've been playing a lot. <laughs> Spider Wars, <laughs> Ultimate Frisbee, Days Gone on Xbox or something. It's crazy. Now we're going to move on to Outside the Box. Hit it, Ed. I'm thinking outside the box. Where we cover all the news you need to know outside the Xbox community. Our first topic in Outside the Box, the real Switch Pro is here and it's made by Valve. 
This shit was hype, Jaren. I want you to tell me about it, man. So for a pre, like a little bit of a preview. You, some of you will recall, like what was it a month ago? Gabe Newell said that like Steam was gonna be releasing some shit this week, this year, right? And that they said it wasn't gonna be what you think. What, what was like? It was like a general. I don't know. What, what did they say when they said like it's not gonna be what you think? Were they talking about hardware? Yeah, he time? was super vague about it. He was like, we're gonna yeah. somehow get into the kind of yeah. console space, but it won't be in the way you think. He was at a college and someone asked him a question. Yeah, and he's like, we're getting into the console space this year, but not in a way you think. And then the, it, the news all came to fruition this week, just a couple days ago. And I'll let you tell me about that, Jaren. Yep. So the device was reported on earlier this year, and it was described as a powerful all-in-one portable PC capable of running the latest AAA games. Like a Nintendo Switch, it can even be plugged into a television via cables or an official dock, which will be sold separately. Steam Deck is also an open PC, which is a big caveat in this, yeah, which this means cool. it has the ability to install any software or connect with any hardware. But that also means you should be able to play Xbox Game Pass and Epic Store and basically anything. And the handheld will feature a powerful custom APU developed by AMD, a 7-inch touchscreen, full-sized controls with a gyro and track pads, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, micro SSD, just SD, expansion yeah. slot, and a USB-C port. And it will begin shipping in December, and the prices start at $399. I assume that's American. That's for the 64 gigabit emmc version and then the other ones are much quicker and have ssd storage the cheapest one of those starting at 529 and the most expensive being 649 yeah 529 at 256 gigabytes nvme ssd and then 649 512 gigabytes with nvme ssd yeah so basically uh the 399 great answer to the nintendo switch if you actually want something comparable to a newer console uh, buy the more expensive versions. Yeah, this is pretty brilliant news. Like, honestly, like the Nintendo Switch, as everyone knows, is basically un. It, it is its own uncontested market of handheld and then like handheld hybrid gaming. Right. Sony had the PS Vita, which came out in like 2013 and failed for a number of reasons that are mainly Sony's fault uh, after launching, you know, after having the PSP. Right. And since then, the handheld market has been like abandoned and Xbox is really not into it. They now have their own thing where they have xCloud that you can access on any, pretty much, you know, your phone or any kind of device like that. So it's available in that way. But an actual dedicated handheld machine, uh, it's been like not, there, there hasn't been anything like that except the Switch in recent years. And so now Steam, and Gabe Newell was like, yo, we can get into that market. And then they decided to by launching this. And it looks, with all the features that Jaren talked about in the report from VGC and everything, it sounds dope. Like, it looks really cool. Uh, the only thing I'm somewhat concerned about is when it says batter battery life is said to be a range of two to eight hours. That's a fucking enormous range. It says depending on the activity. What's two hours? Like mining cryptocurrency? Yeah, that was the one thing. I I'm less worried about that. That's the caveat, right? Is that it's it has a, a, a low battery life. I guess the theory is that it's you, you can still plug it in anywhere you are. You know, like I don't there aren't many places that don't have a power outlet. That's true. Whether you're in a car whether you're at Starbucks, whether you're at school and a library, like I don't know, like there aren't many places that you are it, it, without a power outlet. So it's like you can have it run the short amount of time it can until you can get yourself to another power outlet. But it's like, you know, I don't know if you want to bring it to the woods and play games unconnected for five hours, then it's like, all right, maybe you'll have some problems. But still, I can like have an SSD, which is pretty dope. Like and it apparently just it's going to be a power. It's way more powerful than the switch who just, you know, charged you for an OLED screen. And this one's going to be able to run like all these platforms. Potentially, you'll have access to like Xbox Game Pass if you can, you know, access the Microsoft store on there and everything. Yeah. And so it's like if it ends up being like a, a dedicated, actually Game Pass machine, I may like get the the, the cheaper version. It's kind of cool. You know? Yeah, it is. It is definitely an interesting thing. It seems like it's the same specs all the way through the price line, except the SSDs. And I don't know if you're going to charge me like $649. I know I'm getting a pretty big SSD and 512 gigabytes, but I don't know. I just feel like just maybe like if they're going for the PC gaming community, I thought there'd kind of be more differing of specs going up the models. But I guess this makes it easier to have your game show up and work on it if uh, if they make one standard kind of spec with different levels of storage. Yeah, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. That's that's fair. Yeah. So that would be my only, I guess, criticism on it. It was battery life and the fact that there's not kind of different 
spec'd versions if you're attacking the PC market that's kind of used to that. But I guess that's not really what they're attacking. They're attacking the Nintendo Switch market. And in which case, then they're doing better. Yeah, but they're also advertising to PC gamers who they say that you can have access to your entire Steam library because that's the kind of the point of that, right? It's like if you're not already on Steam, then you don't have a library. So you're going to have to like get all these games. But if you if you have Steam already, then it's like now you have a portable version to be able to access all your favorite Steam games, which I think a big market for that is like college students. Like, honestly, like all these college kids who are PC gamers who usually just play on their laptop in class or whatever. It's like these people are probably going to hop on this pretty hard. Yep. Um, and uh, I know Wario64 emailed Gabe Newell, and uh, he said, is the M2 SSD slot present in the base or $399 version? And Gabe Newell said yes. So there you go. The, the base version has an SSD slot, I guess. If you Okay, so you can buy it, it separately and slide it in if you get the cheaper Apparently. version. Yeah, so he, like, he put a screenshot of an uh, email with Gabe Newell in there. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. It, hopefully this makes Nintendo step up their game because they're shit it won't. and everything. I mean, it won't, you're right, but that's <laughs> the good part, though, is that now there's an alternative if you don't care about playing Mario. Yeah, but everyone who buys Nintendo stuff wants to play the Nintendo games, so... No, I know, I get it, but, like, I'm... This is a market for people like me, who I wouldn't get a Switch, but but I'm actually thinking about this, because I'm like, well, even if I don't have a Steam, or a Steam account, or I have a Steam account, but even if I don't have, like, a big Steam library, I can access my Game Pass catalog. But, uh, unfortunately, last thing on this, since we're kind of running along on this news, but the buttons are, like, adjacent, like, right next to the thumbstick on the right side and that shit yeah they look also. really high up which is I, I feel like would be weird but i don't know maybe they've tested it yeah i'm sure it works fine it's just a bit annoying the buttons are right next to the thumbstick like to the right instead of like up a bit but oh well yeah i don't know how all these things never really feel that good in my big hands i wasn't uh I, the switch wasn't bad yeah but i don't know how this is gonna go i don't know yeah we're gonna see how all this launches i mean valve's last thing was their steam machine that which, they licensed yeah, the hard. hardware for to other uh, manufacturers, like I think NVIDIA and other people yeah. who like manufactured it. But this, they like actually believe in it because they're manufacturing it themselves. Like it's an actual Valve hardware product. Like they, they're really going to push this. And Gabe Newell like says he believes in it. And they're really opening kind of another, like really they're pushing a PC handheld device yeah. that is powerful enough, like more powerful than the Switch and can, you know, sustain sort of a long-term, I don't know, life cycle. And it's like a really interesting, unique product that he expects. I think he said he's expected to sell millions of units yeah. i think it probably will and we'll see how it develops over the net once it launches in december over the next two years we'll see how big it gets but it's really cool yep really cool piece of hardware and the last topic in outside the box this one we're not going to talk about as much because it's purely speculation yeah so netflix has kind of confirmed that they will be offering and making game content with their subscription service and it will be included in previous prices which they have hinted at and there's been a data mining art people have data mined i guess netflix's data and they have found connections with playstation imagery from like the playstation controllers to ghost of tsushima and they're kind of people are speculating that there might be a sony and netflix partnership coming up yeah so the the verge I'll just say announced that Netflix uh, hired former EA and Oculus exec to lead its video game efforts. And then Steve Moser, uh, VGC reported that he data mined. Yeah, I don't know how it works, but Netflix. And then apparently Netflix, it says he said in a tweet, Netflix's gaming feature has a current working name of shark and is represented by this image in their iOS app, a shark fin. And then this one is like an image of what looks like a PS5 uh, DualSense controller, like two of them in like a weird color scheme. And then Ghost of Tsushima's director cut, and I think that's it. And so he's wondering if this indicates a partnership with Sony. And so, yeah, that's what's weird is that I I don't know if Netflix is trying to get into games, which they're smart to not do hardware or anything like that. And I don't know if Netflix has like the Netflix IP strong enough to even like license out games to be made with Netflix properties, you know, at this point. So what they're doing is they're seeming to try to make games and put them on their service that exists, kind of like how Apple was able to make their own service like they couldn't obviously break into games what they did was just make their own market on phones which was smart right since everyone owned an iphone yeah and netflix is kind of doing that with their own service and so yeah this data mine could suggest that sony is partnering with netflix in some way to maybe i don't know put some of their games on netflix right maybe which could be some way for them because people are saying that sony right needs to compete with game pass in a better way than like ps plus collection and so are like they're gonna have some weird partnership with netflix i don't know i don't know what this means it's really weird because Apparently, Sony has already a deal with Netflix where, like, their movies are going to go to Netflix first Yeah. Uh, after leaving theaters. So, like, there's already, like, a connection there with Netflix. 
and it it may get deeper with gaming in some way. Maybe not. Maybe this data mine needs, means nothing. But given Netflix is getting into games and shit, you could see like Sony stuff on Netflix. I don't know. The weird thing is, though, unless they convert PlayStation Now to be part of Netflix's gaming effort, then it fundamentally doesn't make sense as a company to put Ghost of Tsushima and some of your first party games on Netflix's gaming streaming service, but not on PlayStation Now. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of weird like caveats to this where you're like, well, I don't know how that would work. And it's like even with Netflix's situation where if Netflix tries to just put games out on their platform, it's like, okay, man, so can what what is your controller situation like what controllers can i use and if you're offering your own like video game storefront on uh the like on netflix are the consoles like is is xbox and playstation if they're not directly part of it are they gonna like ban game functionality through your app are they gonna ban your app maybe like would they do that you know just as a way so that people can't play games on there like i don't know that's kind of a weird situation there they already have some games too, dude. Like, you know, the Minecraft story mode, the Telltale game, that's already on Netflix. Yeah. Which you can just play with, a, or I guess, a remote even, like, or a controller. And then, like, the uh, Bandersnatch is an mm-hmm. adventure game, and they have, like, a Man vs. Wild uh, thing. I don't remember the guy who hosts that, but there's, like, an adventure-type thing with that. So they have, like, these weird adventure-style games, but I guess they're trying to get, like, way bigger into AAA games there. Like, largely, unless it involves a huge paycheck, and it's just for Ghost of Tsushima, and it's not, like a bunch of PlayStation first parties, this makes no sense for PlayStation. I kind of agree with you, but I, again, <laughs> I just can't, maybe I'm just stupid and I can't think of the broader scope of how this might or could work. Like maybe, I don't know. Well, like maybe if it's stupid. Ghost of Tsushima and they're bringing it to PC, then at least this kind of drums up hype and might sell the sequel. Like if you only do like one game or if you only do games that are kind of past their prime, like you're already doing on PC. But yeah. at that point, the argument is also might as well be made that why wouldn't you just sell those games on Xbox as well? Because yeah, your whole marketing strategy seems to be let people play our games and then don't sell them our new ones until... We already have games coming out. Yeah, I don't, that's a good point. And I, the ghost having it just be Ghost of Tsushima, I guess, could make sense because they're apparently they've greenlit a Ghost of Tsushima movie. Yeah, which you and I talked about on this podcast before, like many episodes ago, twelve episodes ago or something. So are they like okay when this comes to Netflix eventually? Like, is that going to have some weird Ghost of Tsushima tie? I don't know. Like, I have no idea what they're playing. This data mine could mean nothing, but it is weird that there is an image of Ghost of Tsushima and a PS5, two PS5 DualSense controllers. The only thing I'll say to that is if this is something that they're kind of pitching to their investors, it's just like if Microsoft was pitching something and said, hey, we're going to make more narrative-based content like The Last of Us Part 2 when they had their internal review of The Last of Us Part 2. If you data-mined Microsoft, you would probably find Last of Us Part 2 stuff around that time. That doesn't mean they're partnering with Sony to make Last of Us Part 2 or Part 3. That's true. It could mean nothing. Could mean absolutely yeah. nothing, which is why this is just kind of weird reported news that we're kind of speculating about. We put it in a major thing because if Netflix, because Netflix is coming to games, which is a major thing, but and if Sony's partnering with them, that's an even more major thing. So we figured we might as well talk about it here. Yeah, I mean, it's that's fair. It might as well. I don't know, dude. I, do you think Netflix would even be successful in games if they just tried to put games out on their platform? Just as, as an aside, if they're entirely streaming them, no, not for. Not for a while. Like, it's going to be the start of kind of how Netflix was, where everybody, like, liked Netflix, but they were still pretty much down to buy and rent movies. And until the point where streaming games catches up to being as good as playing games, it won't be a, uh, like, a success until then. If they're willing to wait that out, unlike Google was, (laughs) if they're willing to wait it out, then then by all means, they can be successful, especially if they make their own games. Yeah, at this point, it's just weird. No one can break into the hardware space anymore, almost. Like, you can. It would would be a very, very rare phenomenon. Like, Steam's doing it in a very particular way because they already exist as the PC storefront, all along with Epic, I guess, who budged their way in. And then Apple, like, made their own storefront, and that's, like, the most recent thing. Other than that, like, no one really breaks into video games except Xbox in 2001. Yep, and speaking of Xbox, we're now going to move on to the X block. I almost forgot, dude. I like stood there for like two seconds and I'm like, oh wait, that's my cue. I'm on. The people are waiting. And to start off, the first one, Xbox and Bethesda, so both, confirmed to be at August's digital Gamescom event. So Microsoft will be there. Yeah, there you go. I mean, people keep saying Xbox and Bethesda. It's like, just can we all just say Microsoft? Like everybody together, you know? So I assume we'll see more in-depth looks at games that are coming out. But it sounds like a bunch of people are just 
in attendance and i don't know if there'll be press conferences and stuff like e3 it hasn't been confirmed it's a good that's a good question and this this article from pure xbox written by daniel hollis he says um in his article the event which will be all digital between august 25th to 27th so that's when it takes place uh he says for those who tuned in last year you'll remember the show gave us a look at games such as lego star wars the skywalker saga which i think since has been like super delayed like it may not even be coming out anymore i don't know what the fuck happened to that game since uh you know like the warner brothers game studios are in kind of flux right now yeah, uh, and then Wasteland Three and Mafia Definitive Edition. Um, and then they say since Xbox and Bethesda are in attendance, we imagine a few titles from both companies will be shown throughout this year's event. So we'll see. But Jaren's right; it's kind of a question up in the air as whether they're just attending or whether we're going to get any sub- substantive announcements or kind of dives or deep dives or reveals. But with the the Gamescom opening night live, I guess maybe yeah, that might be the place to kind of keep a lookout for something. Yep. And then another event that Bethesda will be at. Bethesda announced the news today stating that QuakeCon at Home is back and will take place from August 19th to August 21st. This year's QuakeCon will include live streams that feature updates on existing and upcoming games, tournaments, charity fundraising, giveaways, and more. And apparently something to do with puppies, but I think that is uh, involved in the charity. And my question to this is like, do we get the new Quake announcement here that everyone's been heavily rumored? Because they don't actively say, hey, there's going to be huge news here. But it's also far enough away that maybe you make that kind of announcement a little closer. Yeah, isn't it id who developed Quake id software? Yeah. Yeah, so weren't we talking about like two weeks ago of whether they're going to show their new game that they're working on at QuakeCon? Yeah, we were speculating that they would show the new quake reboot at uh at QuakeCon. yeah so this is the time right because there was i don't even remember uh, dude shit happens and if it didn't happen four minutes ago i don't remember but we were talking <laughs> about some report of a, a game that they're unannounced game that they're working on that they ended up not showing it at e3 yep and we were like and they uh, i think we thought that they were waiting for their august QuakeCon to show it so this could be the time boys like get ready like if you t- tune into QuakeCon and you may see a new unannounced game shown there from it and uh, like the quake reboot or whatever they haven't said anything to temper expectations or set them they've kind of just been like there will be news on existing and upcoming games so that could mean we're going to announce a new game or we're just going to talk about death loop a little bit yeah so i mean it's it could be either we don't know but we will we will stay tuned and it will kick off on august 19th at 2 p.m eastern standard time Uh, i don't know what it ends but that's when it's starting and we'll be you know we'll be ready for that shit yeah, and the good thing is both of these events take place after Jaren returns from his vacation. So Which uh, <laughs> we'll talk about later, right? Are we going to need to talk about that later? We talk we'll about probably talk about episode. it next episode. Dude, fucking stay tuned for next episode on, on just some... <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. Stay tuned for next episode. That's it. Moving on. Yep. And Phil Spencer continued his rounds, popping up on the Kinda Funny Gamecast. And he talked about how seeing older games succeed on Game Pass has kind of inspired, I guess, the thought of bringing those older games back. And I thought one interesting thing he says, he says seeing more people playing something like Prey or Dishonored or going back to Fable and that you can talk about those games. For us, we sit back as a creative organization and watch what people are interested in. It gives us more data to think about things that we might pick up and take forward with new ideas and new teams that might want to go do that again. I like that he talks about Prey and Dishonored alongside Fable, because does that mean that we might be getting new Preys and new Dishonored? Like, those are the three he picked up, and one of them we are getting soon. So the other two, theoretically, that makes sense that they're the front runners to also get. Yeah. So Prey, right, that wouldn't be really... That's not really new, though, because right they already launched that Prey. When when did it come out? Like, 2016 or something? The the Prey? Yeah, but Arcane's games are always, like, criminally underplayed. Oh, yeah, for sure. But they had DLC for that game, too. Like this Moon DLC or something. Yeah, they shit did. Too. So I, I guess they're. I don't know if he's indicating that they are working on Prey 2 right now. That would make sense, even though it didn't sell that well. Because the weird thing about all this shit is there isn't like much of a thing anymore about did a game do well because of Game Pass and yeah. how that changes the market. It's like they can almost, as long as they have these big sellers that keep you in, which they can then not everything needs to be like a banger, even. Like it to, to less of a degree than even PlayStation needs even their less you know big sellers to even sell somewhat like xbox needs that even less where they can just like make a game that doesn't do really well but it's like hey it's in game pass like hop on board try it out even even if it doesn't 
sell that well or it's not super popular, they're like, well, we can do it anyway because we can eat that cost. Who cares? It's not contingent on the money. It's contingent on the Game Pass subscribers, you know? Like, it's not contingent on the sales. Yeah, that's true. And even if it drives Game Pass subscriptions up like 2% or something, 1% to 2% around a smaller game, that's still more money in the long term than they would have got if they sold that smaller game like individually. Yeah, and that's something we're going to talk about too later in some Xbox news. But yeah, it's, it's good to know. We kind of already assumed that. But Phil Spencer, I guess, even like asked about it. He specifically said, he's like, yeah, if we're looking at the data in Game Pass and we see that there's a somewhat surprising amount of engagement with some old title from what we'd expect, we're like, oh shit, like look at all these people playing like Banjo fucking Kazooie. Then they're like, they look at that as a potential avenue for bringing it back in some way, even if it won't be huge. It's just like, oh, we should probably look at this and maybe we can get something going because people in Game Pass seem to organically navigate towards this, what we thought was dead IP or dead franchise or something. You know? Yeah, which is good. Like, go back to the well. That's like you got those yeah. games for the reason. Why not bring them back? And that's what feeds Game Pass. So it just makes it just makes sense with the whole model. That's what it's that's what it's all about. You know, it's like you need stuff to continuously feed Game Pass. And so there it is. Yep. And also from this talk with the, in the Kind of Funny Games cast, Phil Spencer says Xbox Series X slash S will probably update its controller may learn from PS5. Now here's the direct quote. We're definitely thinking about different kinds of devices that can bring more games to more places. There's probably some work we'll do on the controller. Spencer told the Gamecast crew, as transcribed by VGC, I think Sony's done a nice job with their controller. We kind of look at some of that and think, are these things that we should do? I wanted to ask you what you think of this in terms of what he said of, uh, like, they made, they're looking at the PS5 DualSense and they're looking at doing some, or like, some new designs of the Series X and S controller. Like, not even what you would think, uh, like, an Elite Series 3 which you would assume would have this shit just because that's a way to sell it, obviously. But even like implementing some of it into the base Series X and S controller. I think they have to do the base Series X and S controller first because otherwise so? it's a bad look. Yeah, like they're putting it behind a huger paywall. It's a bad look to, to put a feature that your competitor has on their base model controller that their console comes with behind a $300 controller. It won't be $300, but I see what you're saying. Well, for you, maybe. I don't for know. me. <laughs> it would, yeah, I don't know. Well, that, your money's not real, so fuck it. Nobody's money's real. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I could see that. I wouldn't care. Like, I can see what you're saying in terms of that being a bad optic. Personally, I wouldn't give a fuck. But uh, what do you like think of? I don't give PlayStation a lot of credit because they basically copy what everyone else does and rightfully so. And they don't really do anything that I like ever almost. And like, I can give you 9,000 reasons for that over five hours, but I won't. Um, but this in this particular instance with the DualSense controller, it seems like it's a pretty good control. Like it's an actual step forward, I suppose, for the industry. Like I thought when they announced it that it would be just like, oh, we got HD rumble, like the fucking Joy-Cons. And you're like, whatever. But it, it turns out that at least in the first party, the way they adopt it, and then how some of the third parties are going about actually implementing features in the controller, it seems like it may be a thing that's not just a fad that we thought it would be, but that it's actually here to stay and that it actually will like decently improve how games are like how we play games, interact with them in terms of like how the, the feel sensation works. I don't know. I've gotten mixed things. So for like the triggers, you know, where like it gives you this weird resistance, you know, for shooting and shit. Some people say that's annoying and it makes their finger tired over a while if you're playing with the dual sense. So that kind of like weird feedback with the triggers. I don't remember what it's called. I wouldn't really want that in my control. It seems annoying or I'd want to turn it off. But there are other things that I've heard, like with A Plague Tale Innocence, which is what I was going to tell you about earlier. Uh, I've heard from people at other podcasts playing Plague Tale on the, that came, I don't, I think it's one of the free games this month, right? The PS5 yeah, version. on PlayStation There's Plus. There's like, you get to the point with the rats and shit, and apparently like it does these weird vibration things where you can like feel the rats crawling through your controller. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of cool, right? Where you like, you feel like the, like it almost feels like these rats are like crawling around your controller. You're like, that's weird. That's cool. Yeah, that does sound cool. Yeah, it's like, that's a feature where you're like, oh, I wish, I kind of wish you, like I had that when I played the game where I felt like fucking rats crawling around my controller because of the way it can do it. Yeah, I think as, as long as everyone continues to support it, that it'll be a good thing. And if Xbox obviously adds it into their base model controllers at some point in the next like eight or nine months, then obviously it'll become standard. But like PC is always going to be mouse and keyboard. So this is very much a thing that drives entirely for consoles, That's which a, good point. a lot of seeing a lot of things like companies, gaming companies do entirely care about the console market far more than the PC market. So that might not really matter to them in any way. They will put the extra development time to make the controllers kind of just work better. But that also 
eats into, I guess it doesn't necessarily eat into Microsoft's thing where they're like, all of your hardware uh, will work and your accessories will work going forward on any Xbox platform. And it's like, yeah, they'll still work. They just won't have these new fancy features of the new controllers. That makes sense though, right? Like it's fair. As long as you can use the controller like it was meant to be used on the previous iteration, then that makes sense. The weird thing though that's about this, like the last thing I have really to say about it, is if they're trying to implement this in their base controllers, that inherently drives up the price, which kind of cuts into the weird model. Because what we talked about is like Sony has the model where they don't have a first party elite controller and they don't have a cheap controller either. Like it's 80 bucks. And if you want a new one, it's 80 bucks, like each shit. Whereas it's kind of cool that Xbox still has a really good, like it's still a really good controller, the original, the base Series X controller, and it's 60 bucks. And it doesn't have the DualSense features, but the argument would be, to me, it's like, well, you have the $60 really good controller that doesn't have the DualSense features. And then if you want the DualSense features, or you just want to like, you're a hardcore gamer and you want the better features in general, you pay the expensive amount for the premium, like elite controller that would have it. And it's like, that sucks because it's like behind that paywall. But it's like, what's smarter or like, what's even better? Is it like, do you want to have a middle market? Like, do you have all three markets? Or do you just have that you you even still keep the $60 base controller? Do you have just a middle market like PlayStation has? Where it's like the controller is $80 each shit. There's no premium model. There's no cheaper model. It's $80. If you want to do one, it's $80. And it just is the dual sense. Fuck you. Or do you want to keep the model where it's like you, you target the low end, which is like, there's here's a $60 really good controller and it, it's just really good and it doesn't have dual sense features and it's $60. And then if you want more than that, you get the really expensive model that has everything and it's hardcore. Like is that what's a better what do you think's a better strategy there? I think you make all three models, but you limit how much you do to them in manufacturing. So like you have your special edition controllers that come out, they'll probably be your your dual sense ones that you have dual sense in. I think you hit all three models you have the base controller you have the dual sense and you have the the top level elite controller eventually as the dual sense gets cheaper to make i think you move away from the cheaper controller and you kind of market the dual sense one in the middle yeah that, as it gets cheaper i guess yeah that being said though if you want to be like i guess apple or that kind of thing for example you could take the xbox controller like thing where you make your own controller design labs design labs and you could make it so you start with a base model xbox controller and everything and you can add everything to it individually to the point where you can customize it up to the point where it's an elite controller that's that's where you can customize it to the point where it's a dual sense controller and maybe you can like make your own kind of mesh of the two where you're like, I want some of the DualSense features, but I'd rather have the grips from the Elite controller. That'd be very hard to, I think, manufacture appropriately because it's not just design. It's like actual mechanics. So you'd have to really manufacture these independent controllers. Oh, yeah, they'd be like custom controllers. You definitely have to charge more. Because if you do that, though, are you saying that like it, the base console still ships with the normal $60 controller that they have now? And then you can just design one of your own if you want. That, I don't know how that I think work. the new con- I think everything going forward, if they adapt the DualSense controller, will ship with a DualSense equivalent. Yeah, I think that's what they're going for. For me personally, I would still I'm still totally great with the Series X controller. And then if people for people who want DualSense features that are not implemented by everybody anyway, you just buy the elite model and that's that for now until the dual sense becomes cheaper rather than just having a start a base point that's more expensive for me but i get why that's a bad look and i get what i think they're going to do so i guess that's all i have to say about that in the conversation moving on psychonauts 2 has an invincibility mode and they say it's because all people should be able to enjoy games and this one i'm kind of like on board with them in in one sense because i because obviously like accessibility needs and all that kind of stuff uh you should let everybody who wants to play a game be able to play a game like there's no downside to accessibility modes in games for gamers yeah i agree so i feel like that one's pretty straightforward all the conversation that's come around this Uh uh-huh is always turned into something that it's not by games media and games journalists like the bulk of people, obviously there are some people who are like, you should never put an easy mode in Dark Souls. I don't give a shit if you can if you can't use your hands. And I'm like, all right, you guys are fucking assholes. You should put an easy mode in Dark Souls so people can play it. Yeah, it's like, first of all, the developers can do whatever they want. So that's fair. But if we're saying whether it's better or worse to have an accessibility mode for people who can't use their hands, it's like, well, there you go. It's better like in a conversation. Yeah, definitively. There's there's no debate yeah. about it. That being said, the one thing where I will agree with 
some of the people on the internet and the points they're making. Reviewers necessarily, if they play games on easy, they should say that they played a game on easy. And I, yeah, I get, I agree. I get that everybody's like, oh, reviewers, people can play any, any difficulty they want. And I'm like, I agree. People can play any difficulty they want. But if you're going to review the mechanics of the game and how the game works, for a general should, audience. For a general audience, you should play it on what the developer recommends you play it on. Not it shouldn't be based on easy, normal, hard, any of that. Whatever the developer says, "Hey, we made the game with that difficulty in mind, and then all of the other ones are scaled based on if people want a harder experience or if people mm-hmm. want an easier experience." Like how Halo is heroic, it's not even normal. Yeah, the the like the Bungie developers when Bungie made Halo, I think it's kind of still this way, but at least with Halo's up through Reach, I believe. If not, then ODST or 3. They said, like, the heroic difficulty was listed, which is, by the way, for those who don't know, Halo goes easy, normal, heroic, and then legendary is the hardest. For heroic difficulty, which is considered hard, it would say explicitly in the description in the game, this is the way Halo is meant to be played. So, if you reviewed it on easy, inherently you weren't playing it in the way that the developer said this is the way Halo is meant to be played. See what I'm saying? Which you can do that, just, yeah, put it in your review and make it your thesis. Again, we're totally saying like 110% so it's not confused anyone should be able to play games on whatever difficulty they want 100% agreed if you're gonna review a game you should play it on the developer's recommended difficulty yes unless you put a caveat in the review that you didn't play it on the recommended difficulty and the one reason that I will give for this is a criticism of a game that it's too hard is a totally valid and fair criticism. If you can't exactly. beat Halo on Heroic, which is the the standard difficulty that you expect, you say, hey, the game was too difficult for me on the on the difficulty the developers recommended, so I bumped it down. That's a that's a fair criticism of a game. If a game is too hard for an average person to beat it, that's a criticism. That shouldn't be a thing that then all of the people in the comments go, oh, well, you just weren't good enough to play the game. It's like, no, the recommended difficulty is too hard for an average player. Yeah, the reviewer said, like, I was having trouble. So I'm (laughs) telling you as the reviewer, and I bumped it down, and here's why. And I've beaten these games on these difficulties, maybe you say. And so, and I've played these other shooters, and here's how, and that's part of the review. Obviously, it's part of the discussion about the game. It shouldn't just be, I play everything on easy because I'm a reviewer and I need to get it done quick. That doesn't help anyone. Yeah, I don't even need to retread what Jaren said. Like, he said it perfectly. Every point he just made, if you need to hear what how we both think about that, like, go back and listen. Games media people <laughs> are trying to make it something that it's not. Like, they're two separate conversations about whether accessibility options should be av- available to general audiences and whether if you review Psychonauts 2 on Invincible fucking mode and you don't disclose that, whether that's still considered the same review as if you did disclose it. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. These are two separate stories. It all, it's, Every game should have accessibility options so everyone can play it. It shouldn't be mandated, though, because obviously some developers obviously. don't have the time and resources to make accessibility modes. It's like your game is art, so you make your game however you want, and it's art, and you put it out into the world. But as a general rule, it's like if your game that is art has an accessibility feature for people who got their hands blown off in Afghanistan, maybe that's a better thing. Maybe that's generally good. Yeah, like, I'm not saying it it's mandatory, but it's I, better. I kind of somewhat expect it from the major studios in the world. EA should be able to figure out a way to give people who have a hard time holding a controller the ability to play their games. And so far, Microsoft's the best company that's out there doing shit like that with their accessibility controller. So that's one more point to Microsoft, by the way. (laughs) So there you you go. That's our feelings on the on the difficulty disagreement. That is is the X block official fucking review of that (laughs) that discussion on the Internet forum. Before we talked about gaming and accessibility stuff, I guess I was hot and I wanted to talk about that. So the one thing I missed was uh phil spencer said he wouldn't be surprised if xbox doesn't buy a studio in india south america or africa and caleb and i kind of say yeah common sense as those places become bigger players in the tech industry it would make sense to buy studios or even build studios there for kind of different experiences than you get from developers that are from the north american markets or the european markets that we experience their games from all the time yeah that'd be cool like before you didn't see as many games developed in like the in eastern europe and now you have big studios and shit emerging in eastern europe and they tell unique and cool stories and as india south america and africa as their markets develop and every thing like that cloud streaming and things are kind of doing shit with that to begin with they said they'd be surprised if they didn't buy a studio there within like the next five years and uh, have them work on a game and that'd be cool because obviously with these different cultures you get like different 
kind of art and perspectives that are more entrenched in those places. And so that's, that'd be cool to play. But it's it's pretty much basic common sense. Yep. And the last thing in the X block, kind of a quick one, just going to read the headline. Bethesda's PS5 exclusive Ghostwire Tokyo has been delayed into 2022, which essentially means us on Xbox don't get it until 2023. I haven't played The Evil Within 2 yet, so <laughs> I still got shit to work for. And also, reading that article, I saw that their studio's logo again, the uh, Tango Gameworks logo. Yeah. And I just want to say it's, it's still a great logo. It looks like a snail. <laughs> The T looks like the head of the snail and the, the, yeah, the rest of it. It's cool. Go look at their logo. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to move on to the X Factor discussion where we talked about Game Pass earlier in the segment. Caleb brought up how it kind of drives the ability for smaller experiences to be made because they don't necessarily need to be sold at the full price tag because they're in Game Pass. Yeah. So Kotaku kind of feels differently about this. Yeah. Well, the big part of their article is they're like, so they're saying Xbox Boss, that's their article by Luke Plunkett over Kotaku. Xbox Boss wants to preserve games while threatening game preservation. And uh, they're talking about the Gamescast uh, kind of funny interview that Phil Spencer had, where he, asked, he was asked about, or I don't know if he was asked about it, but he talked about game preservation. And he said, quote, I really wish in, as an industry we'd come together and help preserve the history of what gaming is about so we don't lose the ability to go back. And then um, he said, as an industry, I would love if we came together to help preserve the history of what our industry is about. So we don't lose access to some of the things that got us to where we are today. And so that's kind of what Phil Spencer was just being like, a call to the industry for game preservation. And Luke Plunkett goes in the article to talk about, basically he's like, Phil, you don't have the right to say that. Your streaming service and streaming service in general are pushing people toward uh, streaming games and not buying them and not owning them. So since, and they're like, and you're not being able to own them physically. It's, it's pushing a digital market where you don't own your physical copies of your games. And you don't buy your games, so you don't own your games. And so this makes it harder for game preservation because there's no physical games to preserve. And I don't know what the point is beyond that, but that's that's kind of the argument. So what did you have kind of to say about that generally? It's the same thing that we've always said, which is you don't own your games now. If you buy them on a no. disc, 90% of the game isn't even on the disc. And you have to put it into the into the console to get like the rest of the game, which means you have to be connected to the Internet to download the patch. Half the time when you get a disc and you put it in, the game doesn't even work properly because it doesn't have its day one update anymore. So no one actually owns their video games. We've discovered that the PlayStation 4, even going back a generation, so this big, bad new generation that everyone's talking about, but going Ooh. back an old generation has a thing in it where if it dies, you can't even play your single player games. No, and so that's part of it. And a lot of this is contingent on consoles working. So if your console, if the consoles that were made to run these discs don't work anymore and can't read the discs, it doesn't matter. And they are gonna stop working after a while anyway. Like if you're looking at preservation, Man, these like games even and like hard things that run on hardware and disc and digital media and stuff. Like as someone who's been trained academically as a historian and things like this, I would be surprised if most of this is around in 200 years. And if you want to get really nihilistic about it, then in 10,000 years, nothing here is going to be <laughs> still around. So it's kind of like a losing battle. I mean, you can still try to have museums and try to like have this kind of shit, but if anything, Xbox's digital backwards compatible market is keeping games alive in a way that's, uh, you know, not as good as its competitors who don't constantly keep games on market and shit that uh, they take like the Nintendo uh, 3D Mario All-Stars collection bullshit that they took away and PlayStation who said they were going to close down the PS Vita and PlayStation 3 store even digitally. And it's like that's that's part of it. I mean, that kind of is a uh, I would say a negative toward these digital storefronts. But as long as these games are downloaded in some capacity and backed up on various servers and different ends or whatever, then the games are still preserved in the same way. And Games have been lost before by by corporations like some. I don't remember what they are specifically, but there are some pretty big games, particularly in Japan, where you'd be surprised that the source code for the games and shit are just like totally lost. Like they don't own them. And even like Nintendo, often when they re-release games like does just like they, they get it's funny because a lot of people shit on the digital market. And it's like, do you know that like piracy groups are doing a lot of the work to preserve these games? Yeah, because if it's on PC, then the files are out there. Yeah, that's that's a large part of it. Like a lot of companies get their ports of their games from uh, what do you call them? Uh, emulators, like emulated versions. What are they called? I don't know. I'm stupid. But anyway, they th a lot of ports and things come from s not source code of the games, but from digital games that are already out there. I don't remember the word. I'm, I'm losing my vocabulary right now. But yeah, I mean, I don't really see necessarily how everyone not owning discs is inherently more detrimental to video game preservation 
than a large digital online catalog. Yeah, and another thing that's come out also in a response to Phil Spencer saying this thing on the Kind of Funny Games cast, IGN also made comments regarding the Xbox Series X use of DRM in quotes, something which the company has previously acknowledged could be handled better, but the site refers to that modern vintage gamer video that we talked about before, where it says that the Xbox Series X is unable to play games without connecting to Microsoft's servers. And remember when we talked about that before with our, you know, our small, humble podcast, and we did just a tad amount of research, and we found out that the reason this happens is it's a thing from old Xbox One game discs trying to be run on the Series X, where when those games were made, the Series X didn't exist yet, so the disc doesn't know what the Series X is, so you have to be connected to the internet so that the Series X can figure it out, that they just don't have a message that says that it just says that you yeah, need yeah, to be you online that. Yeah. yeah so i was able to find that we're now a month and a half from when we recorded that episode apparently ign still hasn't figured it out and they're still calling this a drm issue from xbox hmm. so i don't know what we can say except like you know we don't need to write all these articles that just stir up drama all the all the time the drm thing not an issue physical games you don't own them anyway so you're not preserving them the only people who are preserving games are the people who are stealing them from companies that's no like people don't like to admit this but (laughs) the piracy groups are the biggest video game preservationists out there like i I promise they really are (laughs) yeah as, as nefarious as some of their actions are they are preserving video games and what i was thinking of earlier i looked it up roms like a lot of Nintendo uses ROMs, online ROMs of like that were from pirated groups and shit, and as opposed to like their own source code for their games, uh, to like emulate them onto like port and ports on later platforms and shit. I don't understand a lot about that because I haven't read really deeply about it, but that's the basic kind of gist of what I was trying to say earlier. And uh, as a historian myself, if you get really pessimistic about all this shit, it's like, listen, there's no stopping the digital, you know, coming of the future. That's just gonna happen. Also, if you were right, I mean, it's it's crazy because right now you're writing about how fit, not owning things physically uh, it takes away from video game preservation. But if this wasn't happening, you'd be ma- writing the same article about how the uh, glout of I don't know if that's a word, but the glout of physical media out there in the wild is detrimental to the environment, you know, and how <laughs> that's ruining the ecosystem. So, like, pick, you know, make up your mind. Don't tell me you wouldn't be writing that because digital spaces are generally better for the environment anyway. And uh, none of this is going to be around in th- 30,000 years. So, fuck it. It's all going to come the way of movies. We're not going to have, like, discs unless it's a very niche thing eventually. I mean, honestly, I am. Whenever the EMP shows up from the sun or anything, all this will be gone. Who cares? <laughs> all right. And now we're moving on to the FAF. And in the FAF, we give you the news that you don't really need to know about, but you might have seen scrolling through your Twitter feed and you said, hey, should I click on that? I'm here to say no, never click on that. And if it's dumb enough that you should kind of know about it, I'll tell you about it in this fun segment so you don't have to read it. That was an excellent summary, Jaren. (laughs) The first item on the FAF this week, dude, you started it, it's a little different here. Here we go, okay. Treyarch colon big files, little brains. Black Ops Cold War glitch causes Xbox Series X owners to re-download all 200 gigabytes of oh. the game. Oh, mijo. Mijo, no. All I'm going to oh, say to this no. for Treyarch is, hey, you guys have this entire fucking game studio. Just figure out your glitches, guys. Every week we got a new glitch about oh you. We God. got a glitch here. We got a glitch there. How does this one even happen? I don't know. Dude. That's a great question. And I saw an article today, I think. It was like, Microsoft, be prepared, Xbox owners. Microsoft Flight Simulator is going to be a whopping 100 gigabytes. And I was like, so like what? Call of Duty's 250. So <laughs> like, that's good then. Like, it just shows you how dumb Call of Duty is that the actual flight sim that renders the fucking world using the cloud and all this bullshit is that much bigger. The <laughs> world is on that is in that game. Yeah. The I world, know, dude. It's 100 gigabytes. And I was like, that makes sense. Call of Duty is the one that doesn't make sense. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next one, Caleb. Ubisoft giving us the big D. Oof, Ubisoft. How? Come on, man. What's what's the story? You would all, all probably think that this is about uh, Ubisoft yeah, diddling people, but yeah. it yeah. is not. Ubisoft is hitting us with delays to Riders Republic. Ah. That goes to October and to Rainbow Six Siege Extraction, and that goes to January 2022. Literally, you announced these like, what, like four weeks ago? You, you gave us release dates. How did you not know? They knew. First of all, they knew. Second <laughs> of all, 
shout out to the news not being that they're, they're it's not that they're diddling someone i was i was surprised and i was like whoo dodged a bullet there thank god and then uh this one that's this is just good news right because were you were we all gonna play these games this fall anyway with everything coming out were we all really gonna play these games i have a feeling they looked at the siege release window and were like this probably isn't the best time to release this a shooter good. I, I like that then they th- then they said, you know what it is a good time to release, though? A brand new IP about the X Games. We're going to put it in October. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, that game, you 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 literally just murdered that game. That game is dead. Yeah, it's never going to it's never going to survive. It's over. Riders Republic is done. I'm ready to put it in the ground right now. I'm digging the hole. And just quick, quickly, speaking of uh, pushing re- release dates and all these games coming out this fall. Somebody asked Andy Robinson, who's the editor-in-chief of uh, VGC on Twitter, they asked him, like, when this, uh, given that Halo's waiting for Call of Duty, like, when's Call of Duty announcing its, like, game? You know, it's Vanguard or whatever it's supposed to be? Yep. And he tweeted back next month, so get ready for August, you know, Call of Duty release date so that you can not care about it, but then you'll get your Halo release date, which you can care about. All right. Now, Caleb, we're almost going to handle pretty much the rest of these as quick quips so that we can get to the end of the podcast. Oh, I'm out, dude. I'm tired, too. We got to get out of here. There's a lot of <laughs> Xbox news this week because of Phil's fucking interview, so it's going to be longer than usual. Uh, PC problems. A version of Resident Evil Village, which reportedly removes the DRM, so this is a pirated version, runs better than the game that they sell. Jesus Christ, really? So they they plagiarized the game, and then these hackers make a better version of the game? Yeah, all they had to do was take out the DRM, and now the game runs better. Higher frame rate, higher resolution. Shout out to Capcom. <laughs> Next up. FIFA 2022's PC version won't include the next-gen improvements being added to the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. So the more powerful thing, yeah, you ain't getting it. I didn't want it anyway, Jaren. Joke's on them. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next one, Caleb. But I thought they were all about first parties. After a six-month absence, Cyberpunk was the best-selling digital PS4 game in June. I saw that. It was crazy, man. They, they, they took it off that storefront, they put it back up, and then all these articles were like, it's official, people wanted Cyberpunk. <laughs> Surprise. They wanted to play it. Shout out to the one guy who, who doesn't know anything, and he went, oh shit, dude, it's fixed now? Fuck yeah. And then he downloaded it. <laughs> it wasn't it fixed. Was, it was not fixed. Shout out to that guy, man. All right, next one, Caleb. Nintendo fans, colon, idiots and innovators. A sealed copy of Super Mario 64 has become the world's most expensive video game. The $1.56 million sale breaks the previous record set by a copy of Zelda. You guys not only buy the same games over and over and over again, (laughs) you pay $1.56 million for one of them. That dude put it up for auction and I saw that he said, like, quote, I was shocked or something. (laughs) <laughs> and my sister texted me because i actually have a picture like a you, you you zoomers out there won't know this but they used to have these things called physical pictures and i have a physical picture out there from me opening my nintendo 64 at christmas you know with mario super mario 64 and my sister texted us or texted me like two days ago or something with that article she's like it could have been millionaire yeah you just blew <laughs> a million rich. dollars when you were a child yeah. <laughs> fucking idiot the last thing youtuber fixes switch joy con drift with a piece of cardboard i saw this i don't know if it works but <laughs> he's like yeah you put a piece of cardboard here and it works and you're like wait a minute nintendo couldn't do this for how many years Dude, they released a nintendo switch Lite with the same problem <laughs> what <laughs> so there you go Half of the fans are innovators and half of the fans are paying $1.56 million for old games. Which one are you? (laughs) All right, Caleb, last one. Quick quips. Ukraine police seize thousands of PS4 pros used in cryptocurrency mining operation. They need money over there for the revolution, dude. (laughs) They do. They're fighting the Russians. They got a a lot of them. They need some money. Remember that Titanfall... uh, issue uh which one? Oh, the oh yeah were they yep the july 4th one respawn has one or two people working on fixing titanfall hacks it's, it's more than zero <laughs> the biggest joke is gonna be when these one or two people fix it and then we all get to laugh at yeah. call of duty again that's gonna be great but se- second of all doesn't <laughs> ea owns them right yeah yeah so that makes sense two people working on it and lastly Someone bought a copy of Skyrim for $600 because of an auction craze. That being said, not $1.5 million, sir. So you got yourself a deal. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) And that is all for the X-Block Podcast episode 20. If you would like to hear us on a different platform than you're hearing us now, you can go check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, overcast anything that's supported on anchor or you can go check us out on youtube just look up the x block podcast and if you'd like to follow us on different platforms 
Come check us out on Twitter at xblockpodcast. You can come check us out on Instagram at xblockpodcast. And Caleb is now going to tell you about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash xblockpodcast. Go look us up there and uh, feel free to donate to us and help us uh, make the show better. We got Jaren a new PC and one day in the far flung future, we're going to get me a new mic. Unless you donate now, in which case we will get me a new mic sooner. And it'll be great, and it all all goes toward the show. Jared and I have plans for this show in the future that we're going to kind of maybe want to work towards, so I say maybe, we are. So, you know, if you want to give us some money to help us out with that, again, patreon.com slash xblockpodcast. Jaren puts all the episodes on there so that you get to listen to every week. So you could just go to Patreon as your kind of one-stop shop if you want. And like Jaren said on Twitter, at xblockpodcast, go, you know, hit us up if you're like, dude, I like the Xbox podcast. Go on Twitter and be like, I like the Xbox podcast at us. And then, uh, Go to your favorite podcast service, leave us a review. Give us five stars, helps everybody out. But yeah, remember patreon.com slash xblockpodcast. We'd love you to donate us like $2 or 500, whichever one. Yep, and tell your friends about us so that we get some more listeners to the podcast. If this is the first time you're listening to it, please share it with your friends and even your family. Tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your dog. I don't care if the dog listens to it. Put the earbuds or the earphones over its ears and... uh. Let it uh, partake in the X-Block podcast. Wait till your dad's on the toilet, you know, and then knock on the door and then whisper X-Block podcast. Whisper that Yo, right Caleb, into the door. I want to hear up? a bark for all of our dog listeners. How did the how did DMX bark? Ooh, ooh. How did he do it in his song? Is that it? X-Block out. Thanks for listening to the X-Block. New episodes every Monday at 5 a.m.